0: Roger Williams University is hosting a crisis management seminar on May 3rd at their Providence campus. Crises, whether a natural disaster, cyber attack or financial instability, can have severe repercussions if not handled properly. This is where crisis management plays a pivotal role. Join Roger Williams MBA students and expert speakers to learn how to prepare for the unexpected. The program is totally free and open to the public. You can register online at rwu.edu/events/crisis-management-symposium. Support the Bartholomew Town podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts.
1: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.
0: Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, a look at the juxtaposition between historic preservation and development in Rhode Island via the Nicholson House in Providence.
1: It's a different time. We need to have different kind of housing, uh, make it more accessible. I understand that, and I think there is a need and, and ability to do that, but not at the expense of the character and the historic nature. You have to go through the local historic district commission to get
2: what's called a certificate of appropriateness to make sure that it's appropriate and consistent with the neighborhood. And and the neighbors have to agree to do that and be governed by that. This neighborhood chose not to do
0: that. Situated behind a stone wall and layers of trees off Blackstone Boulevard in Providence, Rhode Island's east side, the Nicholson House is often referred to as one of the last great estates that defined the neighborhood for much of the 20th century. Some three acres in totality and boasting an impressive manor house and gardens, The property undoubtedly adds an element of charm and living history to the area. However, in recent times, as the Nicholson family has moved to sell off the estate, questions about historic preservation, community member and private property owner rights, city planning and zoning have come into play, as a vocal group of neighbors have actively attempted to stop a would-be 10-parcel development on the Nicholson site, arguing that such a development doesn't adhere to the city's planning strategy, and would disrupt the fabric of the east side. On today's episode, I'm joined by Providence Ward 2 Councilwoman Helen Anthony and Brown University Professor Matthew Turner, who each live in the area and argue that the proposed development of the Nicholson site is inappropriate. I also speak with Jim Durentis, the buyer and seller agent on the project, who tells me that the proposed plan has already engaged in compromise, and given the evolution of housing demand and city planning, that the proposed development is perfectly within bounds. This case applies broadly to an array of debates on a statewide level surrounding how to preserve historic and sentimental aspects of Rhode Island's identity while also allowing for innovation to unfold. Tonight, Friday, May 10th, Lagunitas Brewing Company and the Bartholomew Town Podcast present Elmwood Songwriters Club featuring six Rhode Island performers plus a guest speaker from the political realm. Right here at the B Town Loft in Providence. The show starts at seven thirty, and admission is free. For more information and directions, head over to Bartholomew Town Podcast on Instagram. All right, first, let's go to my conversation with Providence Councilwoman Helen Anthony and Brown University Professor Matthew Turner. All right, so we are here today. We're going to look at a specific issue, but it applies to I think it's a litmus test for managing properties and some of our history here in Rhode Island juxtaposing that with an ever-changing, I guess, need for housing or an ever-changing appetite for certain types of elements within the city. Um, Councilwoman Anthony, let's start with kind of the overview of the Nicholson situation here, the the sort of 36,000-foot view of it for the listeners.
1: Well, the 36,000-foot view of this property is that it is historic property And I'm going to let uh, Matt Turner speak on some of the specifics as a a neighbor, but this property is a historic property. It's got some beautiful features, um, beautiful historic buildings, um, outbuildings, uh, grassy areas, beautiful trees, a historic stone wall. It is uh, very much part of the fabric of the Blackstone Boulevard corridor, and it is... um, proposed for a subdivision of 10 lots.
0: Yeah, beautiful gardens as well, and the gardening house and everything. It's it's just, as you say, it's an element of that region, Ward 2. Um, it's an element of providence, just something that, why would we want to lose that? You know, that's, I think that's the basic question. Let's speak to some of the, the specifics, uh, Matthew, if you could, as far as this plan, the earliest reports that I could see that it had become formalized were late 2018. It seemed like the, the, the tide had turned. Is that a fair timeline for when it really the gas pedal was down on this project?
3: I think that's right. I think that's when the, the Nicholsons and the Bellotti group got together
0: and, and started planning this thing. And since then, it's where is it at now in the community? I mean, there's articles. There's a Rhode Island monthly piece. It's not as if this has been buried, but it's also not— It's certainly not a major topic that you hear about on a regular basis.
3: So so I think an easy way to summarize that is with the words of the chair of the planning commission, Christine West, who in the hearing, the last hearing where they approved the subdivision plan, she said, for the record, I think this is a terrible idea. Now, I think that summarizes the community's view of this thing pretty yeah. nicely. Why she went on to vote for it is a puzzle, uh, but, but I think that's where it's at. It's, it's these, these people, this development group, developed another big estate nearby, and um, they put too many houses on it. They're too big. They're too close together. There's no sidewalks, and they're going to kill and they killed all the trees, and they want to do the same thing again. And it's great. We need to make room in this neighborhood. It's a nice neighborhood. People want to move there. Let's make room. But but at the same time, let's not destroy the thing that makes people want to come there in the first place.
1: No, I was just going to add that it really is goes to the character of the neighborhood. I think what makes Providence so fabulous is the uh, distinct, different character of the neighborhoods and the comprehensive plan, which was um, a, uh, done through a very robust stakeholder process certainly recognizes that and, and makes a provision that we should be preserving the character of the neighborhoods. And the, the proposed development is out of character with that neighborhood.
0: I'm reminded of an, of, of a similar, uh, it's not similar, but it, it, it rings a similar bell to me. Right now, solar panel siting is an issue statewide. And I've been spending time with landowners in Richmond, Rhode Island, who are concerned about some of the sites which would put solar panels in areas of bucolic historic farms, which would, of course, disrupt the character of that area. At the same time, there are others who are saying, well, we've got to, we've got to think uh, forward in terms of our energy solutions. so we've, we need these panels. I'm asking, why can't we put the panels in another location? Is that kind of where this is at right now? Well, yeah, we need development, but why do we have to tear down an, an historic property that's a signature element of the neighborhood?
3: I, th- I think that that you framed it as an either-or choice. I don't think it has to be. I don't think there's like that estate is almost four acres, and I think that that it's perfectly reasonable to think that more than one family could live on that without without fundamentally changing the character of the neighborhood. But at the same time, putting ten families on it in 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 houses that that are. Are designed without any respect for the neighbors is, is a different thing. There's got to be some in-between, just as as maybe maybe you, you put the solar panels a little further from the road. And and what we're asking for is, is not to take away the Nicholson's rights to their property, but that but they respect the fact that we live in that neighborhood for a reason and not to take it away from them.
1: And I couldn't agree more. I think it is not an either-or. Um, and I totally agree with with the proposition that there are some large estates, and we can't maintain them as single-family dwellings and keep them just the way they are. But I couldn't agree more. I I think there is an in-between, and, and that in-between is less lots. Um, more preservation of the stone wall, more preservation of the trees, um, appropriate setbacks— um, Less curb cuts. All those things could be done to make this a more uh, palatable uh, development.
0: As far as maintaining a property like this, it's simply on the owners right now. That's, that's not something that like a Preservation Society of Providence can deal with those stone walls, for example.
3: I can't answer that question. There's a yeah. pending sign on the real estate sign, so I don't know who owns it.
0: Gotcha.
1: I will say that uh, there's been some interest um, in uh, possibly uh, preserving the main building. So there may be a possibility of a um, person coming in and buying that main building, which is wonderful. So that would possibly preserve that one the historic main house. However, it doesn't. There hasn't been a plan with that for any reduction in the number of lots or addressing any of the other issues that are of concern. Um, so, you know, again, there is some in between here. It's just uh, unfortunately, we're, our hands are are somewhat tied by what's transpired thus far, and that's why the neighbors are appealing.
0: So we're in, into litigation now. You're into the appeal stage of this project. What's what can you expect? What are your expectations? Have you had any opinions that you must feel pretty good if you're if you're going with it? <laughs>
1: I think I think the neighbors have. I mean, I am not. I'm here as the city council person yes. representing Ward Two, and I'm not the attorney uh, representing the group. Although I've been very supportive of their efforts, I think there is a, a real appealable issue here, and that issue is the. Um partially, there's several pieces of it, and I can't speak to all the um, other pieces, but the the major piece, I think, is the inconsistency with the comprehensive plan. And um, that's been uh, the main feature of the argument. It's been the ma- I think it's it's a large part of the appeal um and i think that you know you can't go forward with this kind of development if it's inconsistent and it is inconsistent with with many specific provisions in that comp plan and per- primarily at this point i think it's the you know keeping of the historic character and also the uh keeping of the integrity of the neighborhood
3: i think there's three three issues the first is is like anybody with a working knowledge of the english language And an ounce of common sense who reads the comprehensive plan is going to conclude that it empowers the Planning Commission to stop developments that narrowly comply with the zoning ordinance but are otherwise harmful. This development group wants to redevelop a whole city block. They want to develop a whole city block with a subdivision by calling a major subdivision, which is basically – it's somebody who has a lot, and they want to divide it into a couple pieces. This is a whole city block in the middle of a densely populated area, and they've found a way to get that through the Planning Commission, which involves the least possible amount of oversight, right? And they don't want any oversight. To quote the last meeting, when Christine West, the Planning Commissioner, asked Zach Darrow, the attorney for the developers, if he would talk to the neighbors about their concerns, he responded with one word. No, all right? So these guys are trying to develop a whole city block with basically no input from anybody except their accountants and and so that is the fundamental issue as as our city councilor just said very clearly. Um, beyond that, there are some procedural, regular, procedural irregularities in the way the Planning Commission has proceeded. Right? They, they dragged their feet in an inappropriate way about giving us the administrative record, and we, won a consent to, we filed suit and won a consent decree against them. It was highly irregular behavior on their part. We don't know why they did it. Um, beyond that, um, there have been some violations in the Open Meetings Act. And finally, there are substantive deviations from zoning law in in the way they conducted their meetings, the things they had to establish before they could approve this. So there's both procedural and um, substantive objections to the way that they've made this decision, not to mention the overriding common-sense objection
1: and also the problem with this um development and it's um, the same developer is again something that we referred to or um earlier is there balton Road is a, a development that he just did very close to this property and it really really is unfortunate because it really sticks out like a sore thumb
0: thinking about providence citywide now zooming out are you concerned about the precedent that this could set when it that this could apply to other whether you're talking about the one ninety five land and the commission and all that business or whether you're talking about can we demolish the superman building does that disrupt historic value are there is this beyond the the the, the nicholson pro- property
1: i think it is beyond the nicholson property i'll just weigh in on this because i am a city council woman and i am worried about the president i think the uh Zoning ordinance, it's an imperfect process. The, uh, you know, convening the stakeholder group, um, adopting a comprehensive plan, which is the plan for the future of the city it's it's most important and then it's the the process of taking that that comprehensive plan and then uh uh, forming zoning ordinances it's an imperfect process um i think situations such as this uh is indicative to me that we need to take a look at our zoning ordinances and and look at properties like this beresford nicholson property and say my goodness what is it that we can do to tweak our zoning ordinances to make sure that we're really addressing this issue moving forward
3: i i couldn't agree more i mean we have this problem we want to make more room in the nice places in, in the city so that so that people can live here instead of instead of people can live where they want to live like we should we should make room but at the same time like this process has clearly gone badly off the rails Right, and so I think thinking about how to reform this process is is, is a super important thing to do. Um, these developers should not be allowed to do whatever they want. Right at the same time, there should be we should have there should be restrictions on on how much we can impose on their property rights. The, the people that own this property own it. They should get to use it the way they want within limits. And right now. That process didn't work. I think and I think the blame lays with the planning with the planning commission. I think they 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 failed to do their job, they failed to to structure this proposal in a way that that would would suit everybody's needs. I think they got hijacked by the I think the developers hired a smart lawyer. I think they're politically connected, and I think they hijacked the process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's, this is a tough spot for me, but um, <laughs> I uh, I think all those elements do come in play. I mean, it's, it is the city, and um, there are many, many elements. But as I said, I think that, you know, in terms of uh, zoning ordinances and procedures, you know, we really just need to take a look and make sure that we're protecting what we need to protect.
0: We're in Elmwood now taping this episode. It's not coming up in... You know the red flag gentrification uh, zone. Yet, um, in my mind, the, the neighborhood still has the characteristics it's had has had for uh, at least as long as I've been around Elmwood. My cousin lived down the street. Here, so when I was a little kid, I, I used to go to the zoo and bowl down the street. So I'm familiar with the, the neighborhood at a certain level. But there's no question. There's a lot of housing stock in Elmwood that could be converted, um, potentially work towards. Uh, addressing the broad affordable housing crisis that we've got in the state and certainly in Providence, um, how does this precedent potentially apply to development out in areas like Washington Park or Elmwood, where there's a housing affordable housing crisis you're going to see more and more people moving out into these areas um, you know that's a that's it informs a conversation about gentrification as well I guess is my my thought
1: I agree. I think it does. I mean, this is while well, this is what we're going through in Ward Two on Blackstone Boulevard. This 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 very scenario could happen anywhere in the city. Um, I will say that, you know, I <clears throat> I'm getting off of this particular project just for a second, but I think that the city has to um, come up with. We don't have a housing plan an affordable housing plan a comprehensive plan um that has to address gentrification um so many issues we're just uh starting on a few little pieces. But I think um, you'll see, I think this, it's a priority of the city council. It's a priority of the mayor. I think we have to address uh, the affordable housing issues, the gentrification and and people are starting to uh, coalesce and um, we're a little behind. We should already have a plan, a housing plan. So I think people understand that it's urgent and that we need to take some action on this. And I think it's, it's beginning
0: and basically Aaron Regenberg, former representative Regenberg, is in City Hall at least until he goes to Harvard in a couple of months working on this full time we'll see what the results of that position or or gig end up being if there's any ideas put forth but yeah we are behind no <laughs> question about it in Providence well, these last minutes let's zoom back in on onto Blackstone Boulevard I'd mentioned I've been at Swan Point and you know we've kind of hit this same thing over and over again yeah it's a beautiful area we know we need to expand housing stock in in Providence, but we've got to do so in a reasonable way. What is it about that corner of the world that you love that – if someone might say, well, why don't you just move then if you're not happy with this project?
3: That's two questions. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it that I love about this corner of the world is as you walk down the street and you see – the 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 history of all these people who who sort of built all the factories. This is where all the shop foremen lived, and and over the course over the period from 1850 to to 1930, this is where all these people built their houses. And so, they, there was a lot of thought in it. And you walk down the street, and you get to to watch the way people thought about building their houses over over this period of time when Providence was was leading the world in industry. Uh, so that's really fun, and these guys are. And these guys are not uh, by building such a big, by building so many, so many houses so close together. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna wreck that. If it was just one or two, it would be okay. If it was just one or two, it would be like today's, you know, tech tech millionaire is going to build a house that looks the way the way successful people build houses now. But they're not. There.
0: You, in other words, you have a stake in this neighborhood as a, as someone who lives there or works there. Right. Absolutely, couldn't agree more.
1: I agree and I'm I'm a relative newcomer so I moved to the uh that neighborhood not right near there I'm on Angel Street now, now near the Seconk, but um that particular area is unique and it's unique and it's historic significance it's unique in the you know, the the large estates that run along that area. And again, I understand why people might say, well, you know what, this time is a different time. We need to have different kind of housing, uh, make it more accessible. I understand that. And I think there is a need and, and ability to do that, but not at the expense of the
0: character and the historic nature. All right, now checking in with Providence real estate broker, Jim Dorentis.
2: Um, well, so you, you know, you're asking about what my involvement in the project is. So I'm I'm the selling agent. All right. So this this is a, a listing that's represented by my office, um, and I have the
0: uh, buyer client as well. And where, what's the current? Because I know that there's a pending sign on there right now. What kind of what's the status of of the the property?
2: Well, the property is under contract pending the the approval through this process.
0: Okay. Is is the sole goal to break the property up and subdivide into ten units, and you know basically lose some of the characteristic gardens or whatever it is that's the, the the focal point of concern for much of the neighborhood? Is that kind of the sole goal that you have, or are there compromise ideas possibilities that the buyer and seller may have in mind?
2: The sellers the sellers' goal is to, is to sell the property. This has been a family estate that's been in the property for a hundred years and the the seller's goal is to sell it right so they have no objective other than to sell it the buyer is a developer who his objective is to is to subdivide the property into single family house lots so the master plan approval was for 10 lots okay now the both zoning and the comprehensive plan would allow him to do even more lots so before he even went into this process, we met with the planning staff and he walked through a development proposal and came up with a plan that not only met in you know both letter and spirit but exceeded the comprehensive plan and the zone the current zoning.
0: From your perspective, this process has been open and it complies fully with zoning as it currently is it's currently constituted in Providence. You're, that's your position as you know someone absolutely. from the developer's side, and if you will, here.
2: It absolutely does. And if you read the comprehensive plan and you read the zoning, you will see that not only does it meet, but it exceeds it. And so then you, you, know, you talked about compromise. There are actually two groups of sort of neighborhood representation here. One uh, I call the historic preservationists. Okay. And the, the second is the people along Slater Avenue.
0: And do they have overlapping concerns, or is, are they you know, basically working as a, as a unit right now? As a, as no, they're not working
2: as a unit, and it's the people on Slater Avenue that are sort of the ones that are, that are sort of fueling the opposition. So when you asked about compromise… All right, the first thing that the preservationist asked the developer to do was, is there a way to save the manor house, all right? And the developer actually took what they had to say and we were able to find somebody to step up and buy the manor house and that individual plans on restoring it and saving the house. The original development was, the master plan was 10 lots. The preliminary plan is actually nine lots so that the house has actually been saved and the, the number of lots has been
0: reduced. How does this project fit into the larger conversation in Providence and Rhode Island about repurposing properties that have historic, traditional, and sentimental value here? I mean, that's a this is a, a statewide issue in a lot of ways. What is that from your perspective? Is this, you know, does this change your outlook on on the tempo at which economic development and repurposing can take place?
2: Well, I think if you read the comprehensive plan okay you will see that it considers what the fabric of the neighborhood is the fabric of this neighborhood has historically been single-family house developments on on you know conforming lots okay that's what the history of the neighborhood is and that's what the comprehensive plan is so this is probably the last of several estates um that have been developed at one point in time. And the redevelopment has been the same, single-family houses on single-family house lots. Mm. So this is consistent with what has gone on in this city for the last century.
0: Do you you have empathy for the sentiment that these neighbors may have for losing an element of their – you know, bucolic neighborhood? Is that something that you, you know, on a human level, you can, you understand the dilemma? It's not, it's not,
2: uh, you know, uh, whether I have sympathy or not, Bill. So I don't know if you know anything about me, but I'm a third generation Eastside resident. All right. So I, I didn't just plop here. You know, I've, I've, my grandparents were here. My parents were here. I'm here. We make, we've made our families and our businesses and our homes here for a long, long time. And it is not that I am, and you know, I live in a historic house. And I have personally developed 15 houses in this city, uh, mostly on the east side, but all sort of in historic neighborhoods and rehabbed and renovated them. And so it's, it's not that I don't understand. It. It's not that I, that I haven't done it personally. And it's not that I haven't invested personally in, in this city. But what I can say is you have a, an estate that is three acres in the middle of a city, which is no longer consistent with how this city has developed. And the property was offered for sale publicly. And if somebody wanted to preserve it for what it was, they could have bought it, all right? If somebody was that serious and felt that it was that much of a quote-unquote neighborhood amenity, they could have raised the money and bought the property. Nobody chose to do that. The City Plan Commission at the first hearing in December, one of the commissioners asked the then council person, if you were so concerned about the historic preservation of this particular neighborhood, and that was the term neighborhood, why haven't you gone through and gotten historic district de- designations for your neighborhood? That was the question. The answer and this is public record the answer was oh no we don't want to be told what to do with our houses we just want to say what to be done with this property local historic district designation okay such as college hill all right that's a good example the there is a governing body the historic district commission has oversight over the properties that are in that district okay and there's a process to go through where neighbors have to agree to sign on to be governed by the, the historic district commission. All right. And I, I, we did this on the West side. There was a, a process when I was, when I, when I lived over there and I was, I was head of the neighborhood association where the neighbors got together and they said, we went out, we got the signatures. The neighbors said, we want historic district protection of this neighborhood. And It now is a local historic district, and it is governed by the Historic District Commission. So before you can do any alteration to the exterior of your property, you have to go through the local historic district commission to get what's called a certificate of appropriateness to make sure that it's appropriate and consistent with the neighborhood. All right, And, and the neighbors have to agree to do that and be governed by that. This neighborhood chose not to do that. All right. Now, this is a national register district. Which most of the, the east side is, by the way. That there is no, you know, sort of local jurisdiction about that that governs a national register district. It is referenced in the comprehensive plan, and any and this developer and every other developer is that is looking at the comprehensive plan looks to historic preservation as you know sort of part of the development process. Now. The historic development of this neighborhood is single-family house lots. Now, they went out. They met with the city forester. They had the city forester come in and look at trees because that was a big deal to to maintain as many of the trees as we can. And Providence has a tree ordinance that protects significant trees. They did that. They exceeded that as well, and they were asked by – the Providence Preservation Society and the group of neighbors that were that were preservation-minded, is there a way to save this house? Because we really believe that this house is part of the fabric of the neighborhood. And the developer went out and did it. And the family, the seller, and the developer, the buyer, were able to find somebody to step up and buy the house, the manor house, and preserve it and save it. So- when you ask about compromise and you ask about has the, the, the two parties thought about what the neighbors raised, they did.
0: Obviously, there was – this is in court now on a number of – there's a number of possible outcomes I guess. It's really unclear where uh, – that you know there's no definitive answer from my perspective on, on when or if this will go through. What are the next steps on your end? Well,
2: I think, I mean, you know, everybody has their representation, um, meaning legal representation, and they're going through the process. Um, You know, this you can point to any number of different developments in the state. And I'm I'm just going to use this one. But there is a, a, a general sentiment in this state where development is very difficult. And, you know, we are in a city and it's my home city. That is a great place to live, but we are starved for tax revenue. We are starved for new development opportunities because so much of the city uh, property tax base is nonprofit and therefore doesn't contribute at the full value of what the property is worth. So the city is at a disadvantage. There are very few opportunities for a city like Providence to expand its tax base. This is one opportunity that can do so in in a style that is consistent with the last hundred years of development in this neighborhood.
0: Now, the group opposing the Nicholson Development Project did lose an appeal last night and told me this morning that they are now considering next steps. In an email to the Bartholomew Town podcast, Providence City Hall spokesman Kevin Ahern said the City Planning Commission granted master and preliminary approval for this subdivision, finding the plan consistent with zoning requirements and compliant with the city's comprehensive plan and all other required subdivision criteria. The property is not within a local historic zoning district, so there are no special requirements regarding preservation or building design. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. But I'll be back on Tuesday with brand new content. And you can find every episode on BartholomewTown.com, RIPodcast.com, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.